Blog Talk Radio. white folks and be able to raise the question what is it that we're going to do independent of white people it is very very hard for us to envision a world without white people but we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them but certainly when we talk about a future we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Salbona, Anisogoma, Habargani, Nangadef, Majwo, Indamanesh, Yimhotep, Indamana, Hetepu, Peace, War. Pan African Greetings family, this is Kamal Casey Tahuti, and you have entered Africa's Reascension. We shall start off our show as usual with an apae or a libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go, I go, I go. Treaty of Poem, Inyame, Inyame Wa, Odumakuman, Olorun. Mawulisa, Amen Ra, Beje Ensa, Asasiya Ensa, Abasun Ensa, Abasun Po Ensa, Nana Sergibi Ensa, Nana Esiketua Ensa, Nana Dadikofi Ensa, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray Ensa, Nana Senkofa Ensa, Nana Kumi Ensa, Kwekufri Ensa, Akonadi Abena Ensa, Asabontan insa, Bochewewa insa, Taminsa insa, Shango insa, Oya insa, Oshun insa, Chehuti insa, Asar insa, Sekmet insa. Nananom insamanfo insa, Insamanfo abasuofao insa, Abasun abasuofao insa. Yeshremo Yansa, Yeshremo Ahoden, Yeshremo Enchera, Yeshremo Sikapa, Yeshremo Enkwasa, Yeshremo Enkwasa Wabasuafau, Ye Enkwasa. As did you, Odumakuman, Inyame, Inyamewa, Treaty Apom, Olorun, Mawulisa, Amenra, Katawakata, Use me and this forum to transmit clear African-centered theoretical and practical information so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. May I speak directly to their sumsum, their spirit, their ori, their spiritual head, and their ab, the heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside of them. Medasipa, Medasibio, Mo Piafo, 
Mon casa. Medassi nana no. Yo, Medassi nana no. What you just experienced, the apae or libation, is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural, traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future all become one as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now, enjoying strength from, and doing the rituals of yesterday. Again, Africa's reascension. This is your host, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Few quick notes of housekeeping. We have a YouTube page, Africa's Reascension Channel, A F R I K A S R E A S C E N T I O N. Just type that in, or one word in YouTube. There we have visual clips of segments of our archives from here at Blog Talk. Um, favorites saved from YouTube, as well as uploads that I've done from my personal library. Mama Marimbani, <clears throat> Dr. Amos Wilson, John Hendrick Clark, and others are there. So please check it out at Africa's Reascensions channel at YouTube. If you'd like a copy of my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, please go to Negro Christian, N-E-G-R-O, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, all one word, dot webs, W-E-B-S, dot com. You go there, buy my book at sixteen ninety five plus shipping and handling, and you get to pick another book that's listed there for free. So you get two books for the price of one. Again, that's negrochristian.webs.com. A few other good blog talk shows. Pan-Africanism or Perish by Taj Malik. Um, usually it's on Thursday nights at 10, but check the blog, his blog talk channel because his times change has changed up every now and then. Um, his last show on Pan-Africanism or Perish was a very good one and sort of a provocative one. How to spot... Um, infiltrators, agents, and agent provocateurs within your organization. Um, Very enlightening and insightful show, and he has a great group of archives that he has. Anyway, so definitely check it out, Pan-Africanism or Perish by Taj Malik. Excuse me. Another good show, Queen Ifama, I-F-A-M-A, The Truth Terrace, Sundays at 7 p.m., right before this one. Um, But only if you can handle the raw, butt-naked truth, raw, butt-naked information. Queen Ifama, The Truth Terrace, Sundays at 7 p.m. Another great blog talk show dealing with good African-centered information, Sister Iyaajua, excuse me, I-Y-A-A-D-J-U-A, and her show, Wahemi Masu, Cultural Rebirth Connections. Um, They're on usually Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, but again, check her page because I think she's changed up her times here and there as well. Again, that's Ia Ajua, 
Wahimi Mesu Cultural Rebirth Connections, Wednesdays, generally at 4 p.m. Unfortunately, we have to bid adieu to a magnificent blog talk show. Did their last show on Friday, African Holistic Healing, Ambassador Sar, Mr. Holipsism. Um, those two brothers, again, were the brothers that put me on, gave me my first um, taste being on Blog Talk, and, and me and Mr. Holipsism has became very, very cool, and, and um He's giving me tips and pointers and all that sort of stuff, and he'll still be around. He's up on – he has a YouTube page, um, Holipsisms Haven, or just type in H-O-L-I-P-S-I-S-M, Holipsism, um, on YouTube, and, and you'll get all of his um, – Pages up there, and then he has a website, Holipsism's Haven. But um, yeah, Friday was African Holistic Healing Ambassador Sar Emisolism their last show. Um, he's got a book. Ambassador Sar has a good book out called um, The Master Plan, um, looking at and digging into this European reality that we all have been sucked into, unfortunately, right now. Um, and he has two years of magnificent archive material dealing with all sorts of topics and talks um, from, again, holistic healing, which is within his name, also looking at traditional African systems, um, also just common sense approaches to being an African in an anti-African environment. So he's got two years of material there. So please go check out his archives. Get you there and um, check out what he's had to say. How's it going, Taj? In the chat. So we're going to play the last homage to Ambassador Sarah's show. We're going to play his promo one last time. And then play some music and then get right into it. Um, a lot of information to cover with Inyame and Shay Shay's paradigm, what I call standards to be an African, so we won't waste any time. So, let me find the promo, play it one last time, then um, throw some music on and come back and get right into the topic. Peace and divine love, family. Do you want to critically analyze African culture from an intellectual, honest, and practical perspective? Are you tired of all the distractions, self-righteousness, yelling and arguing with no plan or solution? Do you want to build on the facts and deal with the subject or issue at hand? Well, come and listen to our nation's ambassador, Asar, make knowledge born every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m., that's every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. on the show everyone is talking about, African Holistic Healing, at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Asar. 
spelled A-U-S-A-R. Or call in live to build or ask questions at 347-850-8653. That's 347-850-8653. Peace. Is embedded in me. That's what the 
Jesus, where the hell you been? That is that was put together by Brothers Keeper. Um and I got first wind of it when they did the um Nat Turner play that if it comes to your city, definitely, definitely, definitely go there, change all plans, save all monies, rob some white folks if you have to to get the money, whatever you gotta do, get there when that Nat Turner play comes in your city. All right. So for anyone, for everyone that is um, listening through the computer who's got my show page up, if you click on that um, opening link, that will be the document that um, I'll be reading from. Again, that document is from the Sankofa Movement, Reafricanization, and the Reality of War. Um, by Kwame I.J. and Akuya Enson Okoto. It, by far, is the most clear and uncompromising African-centered book that is on the market today. It is a magnificent mix of theoretical as well as practical information, all wrapped in all wrapped around 30 years of experiential knowledge in the things that they talk about. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) I could go on just about the book alone, but I won't because we got a lot of information to go into. So, again, we'll be reading from what they call the Nyame and Sheshe paradigm. But when I first got a hold to it, I was like, this is the standards of being African. If we could do, there's about 120 points within the, the within the total document. If we could just get half of these down in our personal and in our collective African lives, 
we will be much, much further on our way than we are right now. And another reason why we're going to go through every single point until they're done um, methodically is so that you, so that here at Africa's Reascension, we can arm you, the listener, you, the live listener, and you, the archived listeners, with information to so you can discern what is African and what is not. Because there's a whole bunch of Bamas out there who just want to say, if a black person did it, it's African. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Wrong answer. If it does not come from the philosophical basis of um, traditional and contemporary and ancient um, Africa that hasn't been skewed by by um, colonization, um, then it's highly questionable. Uh, I ain't going to name no names, but there are some people who are getting a following saying that everything that black folks do is African. And so with these shows, with these standards of being African and Yame and Yame's order shows, you will have this template so you can go through and be like, okay, Islam practices Arab culture, Arab names, clothing up, therefore disrespect of the women, uh, very limited cosmological understanding of the universe, no connections with ancestors, <clears throat> that ain't African. Um, you can look at Christianity, um, all divinity is put in one person, um, high disrespect for women, um, European names, European history, very, very limited understanding of the cosmological universe, um, disregard for the ancestors, <clears throat> That's not African, and so and and other things you can do that too. So this is I'm I'm going to arm you, the listener, live and archive with the ability to see things, what is African and what's not. And so the general quick overview, um, coming from page fourteen of that book, uh, and I don't know if it came out in the copies, but. One of the principles that is fundamental to the Inyame and Sheshe paradigm is the imperative that Odumakuman, our creator, imperated to all creation. That is to survive and then develop and expand. There are several related principles that occasion that survival and development. They include the principles of complementarity, twinness and duality, balance and reciprocity. These and other principles are fundamental aspects in all traditional African cosmologies. They necessarily inform the major tenets that are fundamental to the Nyame and Sheshe paradigm. And so now the major tenets within this are the preeminence of spirit, complementarity and balance, Asasaya, Mother Earth and ecological balance, spirocyclic nature of history and reality, Family, continuity and intergenerational transmission, Saban Trine, righteous character, reafricanization, personal and collective identity, healing, transformation and development, and nation building, national sovereignty, and war of irreconcilable cultural realities. So those are the major tenets. And then under each of those tenets, 
to read from page 15, we have provided below a listing of several related principles for each of the major tenets of Inyame and Sheshe. And so with part one of this, we went through preeminence of spirit and the 13 points under that. We went through complementarity, balance, and reciprocity and the nine points under that. And we went through Asaseya, Mother Earth and Ecological Balance, and the 12 points under that. So tonight, we will start off with the spirocyclic nature of history and social order. And again, I'm not rushing through these, so however much we get done, we get done. If we got to do a part three, we're going to do a part, well, we'll definitely have to do a part three. I'm looking at it now. But um. These are key and critical points, and <laughs> we we we, we got to know them. We got to. I feel we got to do them and live them. Um, if we talk in this African centered stuff now, if you just want to reform American culture, um, if you're just trying to get white folks to treat you better and all that sort of stuff, f first of all, this show, this topic ain't for you, and then second, Africa's reascension ain't for you. But if you are like, you know what? I am not down with Euros stealing the world, controlling the world, and continue running the world, then yeah, Africa's reascension is for you. Because all these shows, but hopefully especially this one, will give ways to change that, work that out. On, again, on the personal level first, that individual level, but then as well as the collective level as well. So, again, if you clicked on, if you're on the show, if you're on the computer listening and you're on the show page, click the link and we'll be on page 17, subsection D, Spirocyclic Nature of History and Social Order. <clears throat> so the first principle under that one. The cycle is a fundamental condition of creation. It describes the dynamic nature of balance and reciprocity. Now, I know one thing that is taught by Baba J. Mama Queer is that they have a, they've created a spiral cycle. And for folks who have the book, then you know what I'm talking about. But basically, a spiral cycle, they have a spirocyclic understanding of history, meaning Europeans have this linear notion of history from the beginning to right now in a straight line, and they have the savagery, barbarism, civilization concept all in a straight line, and, and that, 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 that can help in some aspects, but in other aspects, it's a very, very limiting approach to looking at history and looking at reality, period. And so the um, Okoto clan has come up with a, 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 a cyclic way of looking at history and reality, which is actually more in line with reality in the first place. And one example they love to use is you look at the seasons. The seasons come, the seasons go, but they it's 
they they come in a cycle. They will keep coming, and and then they leave. And even within the cycles of the seasons, you have differentiation as well. So, with 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 um life and with birth and and adolescence and maturity and transition, that's a cycle. And so when you look at a large chunk of life from an African perspective. Oh, I'm sorry. I mentioned transition and then cycle back around to birth again. I can't <laughs> almost left that out. We understand the concept of Babra or African reincarnation, where from three to seven generations down, you will come back always as a human, usually within your lineage to get to take care of stuff that you didn't get taken care of in that first lifetime. Cyclic nature of history and reality. And so that's, I guess I jumped ahead of myself because point two, <laughs> history is spirocyclic, recounting the past, defining and recording the present, and outlining the future. So basically one and two, of course, are connected. Um, the cycle is a fundamental condition of creation. All things happen in cycles. Um it describes the dynamic nature of balance and reciprocity. Um, and the history itself, you recount the past, you define, record the present, and you outline the future. And it gets done within a historical understanding. If you don't, like we, understand our past, you will continue to make the mistakes in the present time and you will have no real vision of what the future should look like. You will just go along with what's going along. Um, but if you do understand the past, you use that to reshape your present, and you use that to then shape the future. And then part three, number three, there are cycles within cycles, and seasons within each cycles that goes more into their actual spiral cycle and we're not going to go into the actual spiral cycle so we'll go to number four africa or the place that we now call africa is the geographical homeland of humanity and ordered social existence i.e civilization it was africa where the cycles of human history originated. Now, I don't know if the person is going to pop up in the chat room today, but there, there's a good person, uh, I'm assuming it's a brother, who who just has, how, how, how do I want to word it? It just has major issues with understanding that there is no polygenetic <laughs> origins of reality. There is a monogenetic origin of reality, i.e., human beings started in the place that we now call Africa. We voluntarily migrated from Africa at different times, and it was us who populated all the rest of the places on the planet. So while, yes, it, it does not hurt and it's great to know 
who we are throughout the rest of the world as far as the originating populations in those places like the Maori in New Zealand and um the the the, the negative term form is Negrillos over um the, 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 the Philippines and over in that area. Um you've got the other negative term, the, the, the Dalits or the untouchables in India, you know. But we left the place we now call Africa, went up, populated every other place on the planet. And then and then you see the continuation of Africa um, tweaked based on environment and tweaked based on different spirit entities that were in the places that we went to. Oh, sorry, you got the Ottoman people. They, they, we're all over the place. We started... <laughs> We migrated out and started civilizations wherever we landed. Um, but folks get caught up in those beginning people outside of Africa and then want to latch on to them as if they didn't come from somewhere. All right, I'll check it out. Hold up. As if we didn't come from somewhere. They came from the place that we now call Africa. All of humanity came from the place that we now call Africa. And for 200, 300,000 years, there was no one else on Earth, as Kemet called it, on planet Earth, other than we African people. And 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 Shankantijop and Civilization of Barbarism lays that out pretty clearly, and and um, other other historians lay that out very clearly as well. Um, it's interesting how folks miss that point. Part five, uh, principle five: There are no precepts of beginning and ending. We roughly say, you know, 200,000, 300,000, but we don't know. We weren't there. We roughly say, you know, uh, Australopithecus africanus is about 5.6 million years ago, the start-start of human existence, but we don't know. We we weren't exactly there. Um even if you want to go all the way back to the beginnings of the creation of the universe. We weren't there, so we don't know. Caucasoids are the ones that like to create these specific and precise dates and these specific and precise types of things as, again, because they have a God complex, to, to um, make it seem like they know stuff when they don't just because they came up with an idea or a hypothesis around it. Um but mostly us African folks, historically, the elders and stuff like that, we're not that arrogant. <laughs> so it's okay for us to say that we don't know certain things, and that's one of them. There are no precise points of beginning and ending. We don't know. Yeah. Each site in the part number, number six. Each cycle is informed by the preceding cycle and does not mirror it. 
Actually, I want to read two in, in, in tandem and speak on them together. Number seven, each cycle must be studied, examined to identify the lessons for the subsequent cycle. The lessons must be clear and their application effective lest the cycle is repeated with different characters but the same outcome. Each cycle is informed by the preceding cycle. The time that we're living in now sort of seems different. Some white folks appear nicer and got a black president, uh, excuse me, a black skin president. But if you study history closely, you can see that some of the building blocks for the time that we're in now was being created in the last cycles. Especially when you look at the alleged notion of Caucasoids being nicer right now. I'm going to do a show coming up soon laying out soft power. It is something that we do not get, we do not understand, and it's eating our lunch. Hard power was used from the 1400s up until about the 1900s by Caucasoids when they needed to actually control, take over the globe. So they had the gun and the cannon and, 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 you know, they was just outright killing folks by, you know, large swaths and, again, taking over land and putting a flag down, all that sort of stuff. That's hard power, the, the, the use of actual physical violence. They stepped back and assessed the situation. And again, they, they had tons and tons of deaths in, in doing and in taking over the globe. So they was like, we need to be able to maintain our control in a different type of way. So they went to what is now being defined as soft power tactics. Soft, soft power tactics is the implementation of their culture, the implementation of their reality within all the places that they had first forcefully conquered. Because if they would have kept up the same level of fighting that they did from the 1400s up until right right now, most they'd probably be dead, <laughs> all of them, because they are one-tenth of the global population. So they peeped out that they could not keep losing all those lives and taking over the globe. They had to flip the script. They had to come up with a different way to still maintain their control. So they devised what we now call soft power, where they forcefully changed up people's religions. Because if you steal the seat of spiritual power from a group and give them your God, You've got them in the in the palm of your hand. 
if you put your definitions of politics and political power and stuff like all that political apparatus in place, then they know all of your movements because they created the political system that you are now using. So they know all the different ins and outs and all the different ways that you could possibly maneuver because they created it. They gave it to you. They created and have defined all of the present economic systems that are on the planet. They created them and gave them to the rest of the world. It is so funny that so many black folks want to jump on the black socialism excuse me, the socialism bandwagon as black people, but they tend to forget socialism itself was created by Caucasoids. Capitalism was created by Caucasoids. Socialism was created by Caucasoids. We try to darken up capitalism, and it really don't work. We try to darken up socialism, and it really don't work. But fundamentally, both of those systems were created by Caucasoids. And right now, those are the two most pervasive economic systems on the planet. So again, they're both created by the group that came in to places that they didn't originally control. <laughs> Once they took them over, they put those systems in place. So again, they know all the different maneuver, maneuvering points and different ways that folks that want to be free could try to attempt to wiggle out of it and manipulate it and move it in their in their um, favor. Um, and, and Zimbabwe is is a great example of that. You cross <laughs> the Caucasoid boss and they will mess with your currency and put sanctions on you and all that sort of stuff and 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 balloon inflation rates and all that economic jargon to keep you in control. And so we could keep going on and on and on. They, their particular ways of diet, they have went around and put different foodstuffs in the rest of the world to help control the diet of people. And then that goes to the um, present um, genetic modified food argument, um, how they're trying to force those into Africa um, and Africa – some places are taking them, some places aren't. But it's interesting that in Europe proper, they are fighting genetically modified foods with a fervor. But Africa just supposed to lie down and take it all. But soft power is not understood by the majority of our people. And then just the, 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 the different layers of culture that we laid out. Getting folks, if you Google Nigerian, Kenyan TV, and look at their their program listings, South African program listings. You you you'll see shows like um, Baywatch. <laughs> you'll see um, some of the soaps on all the way in Africa. You'll you'll see um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You know stuff like that. That's your Caucasoid culture seeping its way into other people's areas shaping their cultural realities and shaping it out of what it once was into something that's controllable by Caucasoids, soft power. 
I hope when I do that show, everyone downloads it when we're done, because that will be a very key and critical show that we, the culture piece is going totally unwatched and unchecked by folks, how it's seeping in and transforming us and our folks on the continent. Oh, that's just a TV show. Oh, that's just a movie. Oh, that's just a book. You tripping. That ain't no. It is reshaping reality to our detriment and to our enemy's benefit. And so that ties in with six and seven in the sense that each cycle must be studied and examined to identify the lessons for the subsequent cycle. So we haven't fully understood the soft power dynamic and so it's been going unchecked from the 1900s up until right now. It's been going totally unchecked. And what does number seven say? The lessons must be clear and their application effective lest the cycle is repeated with different characters but the same outcome. So it doesn't matter which soda company is is in South Africa. It could be, you know, Coca-Cola this year. <laughs> it could be, you know, Fanta the next year. It's still Caucasoid culture in a foreign land. And and just the notion of it being there helps reshape because there's a whole mythology behind American stuff outside of America. When when folks and, and again I, I haven't been to the continent yet, but I have talked to numerous people who have and I've listened to hope so I can speak on this a bit forcefully. You drive down the street in Mombasa and and you see a a billboard for Coca Cola. They the, the 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 Kenyan folks there are not just seeing the ad for Coca Cola, they are seeing the ad for Americanization. They are seeing the ad for Europeanization. They are seeing the ad for joining onto European culture, and that little by little by little by little chops away at the strength of Kenyan culture. So you keep doing that for enough generations, and folks in Kenya won't want to have nothing to do with Kenyan culture. All they will want will be will be Caucasoid culture. And I'm being specific to say Caucasoid because while there are surface differences between French culture and British culture and American culture and German culture and all that, again, the deep structure of culture, those two, those two blog talk shows that we did – when you get down to that deep structure within European culture, it's all the damn same. It's all the same. And so, again, folks get tripped up on that. Oh, well, the French are nicer than Americans, and, you know, the British are do this. And the Fr- Yeah, there, are, there, there will be subcultural differentiation within European reality. 
But if you go deep enough and know where to look for that similar cultural asili, as Mama Rimba laid out in Urugu, essentially at that deepest, most level, they are all the same. Don't get tripped up on the surface level culture sim- differentiation. You got to go deep, 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 and you see that they're all the same. But these lessons, I keep going back to six and seven, but since we're not doing that, the lessons aren't being learned, guess what? The cycles get repeated over and over again. African independence, so-called independence. That was the time from 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 Nkrumah to 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 Mozambique those 40 50 years that was the time where we should have reasserted african reality within a modern context to move ourselves forward because independence means you're breaking free from those who oppressed you we physically broke free from most of those folks but the thought and that culture piece did not leave us so for as brilliant as Nkrumah was if you read his book Dark Days in Ghana where he lays out the plans of what he wanted to do with Ghana after he came to America and got shot down from getting money the majority of where he thought he was going to get his money from was Russia i.e. another group of Caucasoids. All throughout the continent, from from folks that we read and love, you know, from Samora Michelle to Lumumba to Torre, even Nkrumah himself, they all were espousing socialism as, however they want to tweak it or black it, blacken it up, they were all espousing socialism. Again, another Caucasoid-created economic system. They did not go into the best of their cultures and attempt to revive and modernize those for the present day. The one person who at least mouthed it on a large scale, and, and, and Caucasoids had to kill him quickly, was Amakar Cabral. While while he was talking some socialism stuff, he was the one who came up with and helped popularize the term re-Africanization. He was the one that has whole sections, whole speeches talking about culture revival within the area that he was at and using that message for the totality of Africa. So they quickly had to get rid of him <laughs> because that's one of the things that they never want us to do. Get back into our culture, revive it, modernize it for where we are, the time-wise, and move us forward. Because, again, I keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. When we extract ourselves out of the European reality, we are extracting our time. We're extracting our energy. We're extracting our resources out of the European reality. So this one trillion dollars, I think, that they say just us here in America are now worth would then be pulled out of the American economy and be put into the African nation that we're built. A trillion dollars? 
all the manpower, man hour energy, excuse me, all of the man hours that we're in woman hours, <laughs> people hours that we're putting into Caucasoid jobs would then be put into our building, our nation. So that is why ever <laughs> let us talk about properly this cultural piece and realigning with the, the best of, of Africa. So they have to always put out confusion about what culture is. They have to and will continue to fund Negroes to 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 not understand the culture and get give them full page spreads in popular um, newspapers and full hour spots on TV to keep us confused about what culture is, really, and to keep us confused about our identity so that we will never look to ourselves, so that we will never focus on ourselves and build up what we need to build up. I could keep going with that, but number eight, we're coming from page 18 now. The cycle of any single entity is not influenced by another entity. The process of the cycle of one entity cannot be determined or be understood beyond generalities by such entity as the cycle of each entity is unique. I'm sure there are a few different interpretations of that one, but the first one that pops into my head is the Garvey aspect within black folks. The UNIA still exists right now today in different parts throughout the world. The sad thing is, and I'm going to go public and say it, most of the leadership feels that if we, all we need to do is do re, exactly reduplicate what Garvey did then, keyword then, and we'll be able to get the success that he had. The cycle of a single entity is not influenced by another entity. The process of the cycle of one entity cannot be determined or be understood beyond generalities by studying the cycle of another entity, as the cycle of each entity is unique. The factors that made Marcus Garvey and the UNIA great in the 20s, 30s, and 40s do not exist right now in 2011 Gregorian calendar. It's a bitter pill, but swallow it. What we're supposed to do is look at what he and they did, assess the positives and negatives, move away from the negatives, and build upon the positives based on the time frame and based on where you're at and what's going on now presently. The same goes for some folks who, who love ancient Kemet. 
They feel that they do all of the rituals that they feel they were able to understand that back then, way back then. If you do them exactly the way they were done and do them today, we'll be building right now. Number eight that we just read still holds true. We got to look at and assess what went right with Kemet, ancient, magnificent, great African civilization, and what they did wrong, move as far away from what they did wrong as possible, and attempt to look at those positives and, again, tweak them and mold them for the present day that we're in and build upon it. Each cycle is different, and they do not repeat themselves exactly. And we haven't understood that. We have to take what's good in a particular cycle that we're studying and attempt to use those good aspects in this new cycle, understanding that it's a cycle. And again, I'm to that, but that was just the first one that came, so I'm rolling with that. Number nine, the differentiation of humanity into quote-unquote races is a function of environment, time, and degree of alienation from the paramount and primordial order of the creator. This differentiation is itself a part of the greater cycle of going and coming of humanity. The differentiation of humanity into races, quote-unquote races, is a function of environment, time, and alienation, excuse me, environment, time, and degree of alienation from the paramount and primordial order of the creator. So we know that the environment, like I said earlier, all of humanity at one point was African people, were African people. It was African people who populated the totality of the globe, again, at one point. It seems like, with the information that we have, that the creation of Caucasoids came during the second Wormian Ice Age, the last one, which lasted for about 110,000 years, I think, somewhere around there, maybe 80,000, 80 to 110,000 years. I had the numbers right in front of me. And that transformed that African human group eventually into the Caucasoid group first just by, you know, skin color. Being in the caves for that long for eight to nine months out of the year under harsh, harsh environmental conditions transformed. The degree of alienation from the primordial order of the creator comes in, again, with this particular group that we now call Caucasoids, in that nature no longer became a friend to them. And again, you have to get 
culture unity of black Africa, again by Shankon Tejope. I guess this is Shankon Tejope night. To properly understand, um, I guess, the mindset of these carcassoids coming out of the caves. Um, actually, another good book that, that, that looks at that is um, um, Your Reason, that lead article by Molly Mubaruti. And if you can get a hold of the videotape, The Philosophical Origins of Cultural Difference, The Philosophical Origins of Cultural Difference by um, Dr. Edwin Nichols, he really lays this out too. Environment was no longer a friend of Caucasoids. Um, again, if you can only come out to hunt for food three months out of the year, you're going to be a lot more selfish. <laughs> you're going to be dealing with just me, just I, I got to survive. Forget about my family. Forget about the little ones. I got to survive. Women are seen as less than because they aren't as strong as men. They can't go out and do the, the, the hunting, the regimental hunting like the men do, so they become less than. And 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 you see that all throughout European Caucasoid um, history. Environment, the differentiation of humanity into so-called races is a function of environment, time, environment, time and degree of alienation from paramount primordial order of the creator. The more time they spent creating a culture that went against the order that was set up by Odumakuman, by Inyame, created them as a distinct quote-unquote race. Yes, the environment that changed them into Caucasoids was one factor, but the, the the culture, the way of life that they started living when they came out of those caves went 180 degrees against the order that was set up by Nyame, by Odumakama. And so, you know, some folks like to get real tripped up and be like, yeah, I ain't going to say Caucasoids came from me. They were created by Yakub. They were created by aliens. They were created by whatever. Right now, all the best data, they, yeah, they came from us, if you will. But if you follow them from the time they came out those caves, and shape them while okay. So let's go back. If you look at Caucasoids, environment they were thousand to a hundred thousand years. And if you look at the culture, once once the ice age, the warming ice age, they can proceed out. Culture that they themselves put together, based on that experience. For me, it's a no-brainer. I can easily say they are not from me <laughs> and from African people based on the lifestyle choices that they themselves chose to create. When you look at 
all these other dark-skinned group of folks that left the continent, you see they still have respect for ancestors. They still have, and I'm talking the the, the, the rural and traditional ones, that, that they still have high respect, high regard for women. They still have, um, you know, nature is to be respected and looked after and stuff like that. That was carryover from when from when we left the continent. But there's still some differentiation even there as well. Um, the Arabs, I could, I, I'm getting hung up here, and we're still just in <laughs> section D. But as you see, some of these could be at least our talks just on themselves. So we could clarify and really get into and look at how this differentiation of humanity came about why it's important to look at that and understand that, and then to know that, yes, while we are all humans and have to walk upright and have opposable thumbs, we are not all the damn same. And 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 the last group that we want to or need to be attempting to aspire to is the Caucasoid group and the culture that they created. So i just leave that there so we can move on. Um, number 10. The disruption of African social order and balanced development represents the normal divergence pattern of the spiral cycle. This divergence is exaggerated by millennia of compounded errors of cultural dilution and compromise. That disruption began with the incorporation of non-African elements in the family clan lines. It was further exacerbated by complacency, greed, arrogance, and the proximity and accommodation of non-African culture. And then number 11, the African and non-African reality, excuse me, the African and non-African are irreconcilable realities. One thing that we always have to understand is that Africa's downfall did start with us. Before the Caucasus, before the Arabs, we started tripping. We started half-ass doing rituals. We started doing some crazy things to our women. We started disrespecting some of the spirits. We started uh, being those three main words, complacency, greed, and arrogance. Those are internal They got exacerbated by outside stuff, but those are internal issues. Now, of course, within our culture, within our cultural framework, we did have things set up to attempt to, you know, um, limit and minimize complacency, greed, and arrogance. But as those things started breaking down, 
again, with our longevity of time on the planet, that is when other groups and other folks were able to slip in and seep in and um, get us to the point that we're at today. While we always must focus on the outsider and what the outsiders did and and, and their cultural um, anti-African behavior, we always have to keep part of an eye on the internal anti-African dynamics that set this whole thing up in the first place. And it's what's keeping us, it's partly what's keeping us in what we're doing now. And so they're clear here. This divergence is exaggerated by a millennia, thousands and thousands of years of compounded errors of cultural dilution. I get, I don't I don't know what I got to do <laughs> to get folks to understand the importance of this. Two at two parts in number ten, they speak to a disruption in our culture, culture dilution, culture compromise, proximity and accommodation of non-African culture. So it was us that started letting in the foreign elements and the foreign ideas into our culture, partly due to arrogance. Oh, we've been around for all this time. What's this little stuff going to do? Okay, yeah, I'll do the Christian thing just to appease them. What what major effect is that going to have? Or 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 what did Kimmet do? Oh, yeah, let's go ahead and marry um, foreign women and bring them in the bloodline. That ain't going to do nothing major or have any long-lasting effects. Or what's the other thing that Kim did that really pisses me off? Oh, look at these barbarous Greeks. <laughs> they 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 know nothing. Let's let us let's bring them into our sakushetis, our mystery schools, and teach them, and try to civilize them. Those and plenty more that I didn't mention were arrogant cultural missteps. Accommodation to non-African culture It helped diluted our culture And they were errors (laughs) In African history We were the strongest When our cultures Were rooted in who we are As the people And then we Define and decide what elements we're going to bring in, but we don't bring them in just wholesale. We still tweak it and change it up. And make sure it don't contradict major precepts within who we are as a people. We were just bringing shit in wholesale. (laughs) And, and that has, that has aided and aids in keeping us where we are now. This, the disruption of African social order and balanced development represents the normal divergence pattern of the spiral cycle. Now, that line is just important because you always have um, healing. There were always healing rituals wherever you went on the continent and renewal rituals within the continent. 
you always said that because as a society may get off track a little bit here and there within the year because there were annual rituals yearly. So you would have the rituals to recenter the culture, recenter the people on who they were. So for us to, for there to be some disruption in African social dis in African social order and development is a normal process. It's always happened from time immemorial. However, when we were more in our right minds, we understood that the elders would always put together rituals, nationwide rituals, to help recenter us and get us back on course. This divergence, however, and disruption was exaggerated by millennia of compounded errors of culture, delusion, and compromise. That disruption began with the incorporation of non-African elements in the family or clan lines. It was further exacerbated by complacency, greed, arrogance, and the proximity and accommodation of non-African culture. And this is going to be the last word. The proximity. See, this whole little tin, we got <laughs> there's some wisdom in there. The proximity. You see, you can have just think about it. When they went into the continent 1400s, 1500s or so, they were setting up missionary schools. They were setting up their educational systems within the same villages. So you had your village, your real village education system going on, and then you had this shiny, tall European building in your area. It had it, it gave the area air of curiosity. It gave the air of you know, of course, there were some folks in the village saying we need to get rid of that, and they were making that statement loud. And you had some folks who would hear that and just think, oh, well, they just tripping. Let's, that, that, that's going to be no danger. Let's go ahead and check out and see what they're doing. And everywhere, not looking at history, everywhere that happened, <laughs> the, the original culture was assumed and almost, almost, keyword, stamped out of existence by that foreign culture. But just the proximity help create that air and continue that air of confusion right within the village. Kosh Malik in the chat room also wants me to add the, um, there was competition, especially in Kemet, you had competition within different spiritual schools. Um, during S, the, again, it sort of seems now, now I know because Taj is my boy, we'll disagree on this point, <laughs> but it's probably good that, 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 um, I'm in Hotep the fourth did what he did, but in a different way that, 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 that Taj will think. There was a whole bunch, there was some corruption, not a whole bunch. There was some corruption going on in Kemet and schools fighting each other, schools of thought fighting each other. And so Ankh in Atan, Amenhotep IV, decided to say, you know what, to get rid of all this confusion, we're just going to put the banner under, under Aten and one God. 
and he lasted quickly, you know, and they got rid of him and went right back to um, the multiplicity understanding of reality. The reason why I say it was a good thing was in the sense that he called attention to the corruption. He attempted to change the corruption within his reign. Even though his reign did not succeed, from from at least the things that I've heard, the corruption got a spotlight put on it after after his, his after um, Anki and Atan's reign left, and so you had after him, you know, a few dynasties of of some relative stability within different within the spiritual houses because you can have different interpretations of no let me not say it that way you can give veneration to different creative forces within Kemet but one of the greatness great things of Kemet is they were able to still come together and fuse those different understandings into um somewhat of a cohesive whole. And 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 um for folks who did download it, the um Jacob Carruthers piece on um, the deep well of African the deep well of African cultural and spirituality, he really hits that point quite a few times that you had some folks dealing with Batas, some folks dealing with Amun, some folks dealing with Ra, but they could all still come together, and those differentiations did not tear at the fabric of Kemet because they were similar enough to be able to move in step with um, what needs to be done. And so, to his point, after, after. Ankh in Atan did his thing and he tried to have rituals to help, you know, clean up the corruption and he himself was a um proponent of, you know, getting rid of the corruption. It was too much of a jolt to the society. It did not last as far as him having Atan being the one the one entity of veneration. And when it went after his reign fell, after it went back to an understanding of the multiplicity, the corruption did not immediately come back because thanks to his brilliance, he was able to put a spotlight on it and folks had to check themselves. Now, unfortunately, some of the corruption did creep back in after a few, you know, more dynasties, but at least immediately when he was in and immediately following him, comedic spiritual corruption, if you will, went back to taking the back seat and things went a little bit more smoothly. But I could really go off on number ten, but um and and I've done two shows on the African and non re Af the African and non African are irreconcilable realities. Just check out those two shows. That's again another highly fundamental thing that we don't understand. Making Caucasoids like us and or forcing ourselves to be Caucasoids will not 
make the two realities mesh. I remember, was it? I forget if this if this was Ta, um, Taj's show or if this was Ambassador's show, but I remember somebody was saying that you got you got Bob Omawali, Malcolm X. They made sure to kill him, and he was coming from the, the quote unquote more violent or self defense aspect of breaking from European reality, but eventually he was killed. But then you also had King, who at least started off talking about <laughs> um, content of the character and black be- black boys and white girls should hold hands and all that sort of stuff. He changed from that dream. We don't get that, but he changed from that. But the, at least let's go with that. He started from that more, you know, integrationist. And they killed him too. <laughs> so it's like, if you if they gonna kill you since you are African, you might as well go out fighting. Because trying to be nice to them, trying to cozy up with them, trying to sleep with them, trying to do all those things is not going to get where we need to be. Irreconcilable realities. A hundred and eighty degrees apart. The big the big college word is they are antipodal realities and and if the the 111 years here in America hasn't proven that then the the from 1440 when they first came into the continent in modern times and that whole thing if that hasn't shown it <laughs> you go back to all the invasions of Kemet. We have been, as African people, under constant attack. I remember I said this in the first show, and I don't think I've repeated it since. So let me repeat it now. African people, us on the continent and us who have been forced off the continent, if we understand that we're African people, we have been under constant attack from Caucasoids for the last 3,500, close to 4,000 years, looking at going at from their Gregorian calendar. No other group of people on the planet have been under that consistent attack by one group for this sustained amount of time. This is why it's very, very hard for us to get our act together, because the bastards haven't let up on us since the Greeks, since the Romans finally took over Kemet, since the Greeks finally took over Kemet, three twenty-five, and, and 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 I forget the exact the the quote-unquote exact date, but from the time the Greeks finally took over Kemet, finally, up until today, two thousand eleven Gregorian calendar. We've been under constant attack. There was a small little respite <laughs> when the Arabs decided to take over because Caucasoids proper were going through their white death, not the black death, their white death, and they couldn't, you know, run over stuff like they were doing. So there was a respite from Caucasoids, and then the Arabs came in and did their thing. But close to 4,000 years. So if that doesn't show, 
that is irreconcilable reality. The African and non-African are irreconcilable realities. Then you're a lost case, and go find your white woman and get off a of blog talk and leave us the hell alone. And then number 12 more speaks again to the spiral cycle, which is deeper in the book. So, you know, if you don't have that particular book yet, then that really won't make sense. So we won't have to go over it. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, try to go through family lineage. There will be overtime. There will be overtime. So, actually, I'm going to try to get through in the next 30 minutes and in the overtime family lineage, continuity, and intergenerational transmission because I know Saban Trune, righteous character, that's the longest one, and I know I got to go through each one of those. And so I'm not going to rush and try to do that in this show. So F, Saban Trine, Righteous Character, will not be dealt with tonight. But after this break, so I can take a drink, <laughs> we're going to go into E, Family Lineage, Continuity and Intergenerational Transmission. So with that being said, after the break, we will have about 30 minutes left. There will be overtime, so if you want to continue listening on in, um, do so on your phone. The call-in number is 760-454-1111, Again, I want to thank everyone who is in the chat and contributing. Um Everyone who's listening on on there, I was going through the show reports, and uh, it's interesting how folks are accessing the show. So I'll say the folks who are listening on their phone, the folks who are on the computer, and all the different ways that I just found out folks are accessing the show. Thank you <laughs> for your support and, and continue to listen and support and, and, uh, and share with your friends. So we'll be right back after the break, this quick break. Yo, turn this motherfucking shit up. Come 
me and the rest of my fam Try to infiltrate a murder off the best of my clan I'm not American, punk, Democrat, or Republican Remember that, most of the cats, we know be hustling My mama works all her life and still struggling I blame it on the government and say it on the radio And if you don't already know All these Uncle Tom ass-kissing niggas got to go Freedom of death, the heart that beat in my chest Won't let me stop until one of us is bleeding to death I been with my brothers, I can say that I love them Cause it's black people, we're all responsible for each other The kids you make, you're screaming blood clots Dominicans with no socks, the only difference between us Is the boat stop, don't let them confuse you You're just letting them use you, believing everything they tell you That there's something that fools do Take a moment and look and just open the book The people that they say was rape was just killers and crooks George Washington owned over 300 slaves But this is the land of the free and the home of the brave I want to dig him out of the grave and shoot him right in his face I Put a needle in his vein and just inject him with AIDS The people try to tell me forget about the past I can shoot you right now and forget about your ass How we gonna forget about 400 years All the blood, sweat and tears and the murder and the kids Killed the men and the women and nobody did a bid Better scrap off the table in the stomach of a pig I still feel the pain of those murdered and slain On the body I'm up being shackled and chained. I'm afraid to the demon for as long as I'm breathing. No more getting over, now it's time to get even. Time to organize the people with your clicks and crew. Time to bring it to the soup and the boys in blue. I do what I gotta do with this to live with the fact. They putting bricks by the stacks on the back of the blacks. We better organize if we want to survive. Cause I'm a vegan freedom fighter to the day that I die. All right. Africa's Reascension, Kamal McCase Duhuti. That was a quick clip from United Front Freedom Fighter. I love that joke. <laughs> and then before that, of course, Dead Prayers, I'm an African. Gotta gotta understand that. And I am slowly but surely going through an overhaul of my music. Adding in some more stuff, so that'll be coming soon. Because um, for the faithful listeners, you know, we sort of got sort of the same music going on, and so I definitely want to overhaul that, add some new stuff in, some good oldies, and maybe some stuff you hadn't heard before, and, and some new stuff from folks, because... While rap should be dead, hip-hop is not. And there's a lot of good folks doing a lot of good stuff. And so as I get it, you'll get it. So we'll go through E, and we will get through this um, tonight because we will have overtime. So we got 20, about 25 minutes left. Um, so seven six zero four five four one 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 one. If you want to continue the discussion, and we'll just keep going until family is done. Because like I said, I do not want to get into Saban Trune tonight because there's twenty four points <laughs> under Saban Trune, righteous character, um, and to me, those points deal specifically with individual behavior individual African behavior. And um, some of them will be quick, and just like we saw tonight, some of them we'll need to dig into and look into. Um, But again, out of all these about 120 points, if we individually get half of them down, 
and then as a group, as we hook up with other folks that are doing it, and as a group, at least get half of these points down, you know, all the way, because African centeredness is a process of becoming. It's not a destination point. It's a road and a path of becoming, becoming the best African that you can be. And so even if we get 60 of the 120, we should always be striving for 61. We should always be striving for 62. Uh, we won't get 100 all points down, you know, in our lifetime, individually or collectively, but we should always be striving to get the majority of them in our lives, pass those on to the children, so then they'll have more and they'll have more. So at some point, all of the points will be manifested in ourselves and in our collective selves. As the Okoto clan says, and as I'll keep saying, this is not an exhaustive list. This is not the end all and be all of it, of what being African is. But it is the best breakdown that I've come across, and, and as I look around this room, the hundreds and hundreds of books that I have, and in talking with folks, and so that's why we're sharing it here today. Hey, what's up, Kimmy Two? Thanks for joining us. So, <clears throat> number one under E, family lineage, continuity, and intergenerational transmission. Number one, family is the first and foremost expression of Odumakuma in the physical or human realm. Number two, family is the first shrine. So just on those two points, you always, the first shrine that you should always set up should be an ancestral shrine. So you give praise and veneration to your physical lineage. We were created here in the first reason to, again, to, to survive, to continue to develop and to expand. And the way to do that primarily first is family. It was the Uncobia Society, it was the the authors of this book, Nation House and Uncobia and just all of that, <clears throat> that helped me see and understand that the creation and maintenance and sustenance of family should be the at the forefront of, of of our lives. That should be at the forefront of what we're doing. The way to get stronger groups and stronger organizations is to have them be groupings of families that are all on the same page. In the ideal sense, it's harder to infiltrate groups of families 
versus groups of detached individuals who verbally or on paper say that they are moving towards a same agenda. It is easier to test out and try out all of the myriad theories that we have out on the books within your own family first. You yourself become immortal through your family. If it is to be by Inyame Adom, by the grace of Inyame, if you have a son or a daughter and you are a a, a sovereignty seeker, because freedom, the definition of freedom has been so tainted and messed up, I want to might need to switch that phrase up, sovereignty seeker. Then the first, after you go, after you become an ancestor, the first people who should want to continue that legacy, if it's not the wife or the husband, should be your children. The emphasis of family has not really been in the black movements that we look at and that we talk about and that we love. It's been about gathering disparate individuals together who supposedly share a common agenda and a common goal and move forward. But yet somehow, some way, you know, um, infiltration comes in because you tend to not know every single individual within that particular group and their motives and all that sort of stuff. And not to say that the family dynamic is perfect because you can find sellout members of your family and and family members can be bought off and all that sort of stuff. But it, it just, again, just looking at history, it tends to be a little bit harder to do that within a family versus individuals who you don't know, individuals who you see once a week at an organizational meeting or once every two weeks or once every month at a particular meeting. It may it, it seems to be a lot easier to get to them and flip them for Caucasoid purposes than it is family members. One book that was very, very telling it's an older book, so you could probably get it on Amazon kind of cheap now. And it was a very disappointing book. It was called Children of the Movement, where they, where the, two, the, the, the authors basically interviewed children of leaders of the Black Power Movement and of the Civil Rights Movement. So, you know, you've got... Um, Jesse Jackson's son and 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 one of Nkrumah's kids and 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 Kwame Turay, one of one of his children and you know and, and and you're just I'm reading this over and over again. You know, I'm I'm reading story after story after story 
and especially, you know, with the black power folks. And a common theme was resentment because their father was never home because they were always out rallying up the masses, doing lectures here and there and all across. And we know, again, with Babo Mawali, he was gone damn near, you know, 200 days out of the year doing stuff within the nation. And so, you know, none of the daughters or the grandson has has followed up and carried the mantle and, and taken what Baba Omiwali wanted to do farther. Once he was once he was killed, you know, Attila didn't take up the OAAU. It basically just died. They, I mean, I mean that's the first that's the first person or the first entity you think of <laughs> going to carry on. A particular legacy. Um, even Marcus Garvey Jr. Um, you know he 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 was um, head of the organization for quite some time after after you know he became of age after his father passed. But you know even he himself, I hear I haven't met him personally, but I heard he has you know. Um, What's the best way to word it? He's not that great to get along with. <laughs> and 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 you know, some personality issues, whatever, whatnot. Again, this is from folks who knew him and who are working with him and all that sort of stuff, but to me it just seems like we gotta do something different. Now by now by not having a family yet and knowing that there are a lot of people out there who are, quote-unquote, individuals, or let me say it this way, who haven't made their families yet, then there still has to be a place for us, you know, until we do create families. So um, I do feel that, that there still has to be some room made for the sincere um, individual who is, you know, African Senate and who does want to create a family. Semicolon. I do think, however, that organizations of the future have to be made off of more closely more closely knit groups. They have to be made of family groupings. And to coincide with Taj's show from just this past Thursday, they have to have an apparatus set in place to um, attempt to peep out infiltrators and agents and provocateurs. I, I 100% agree with that. And like I said at the beginning of the show, you folks who are listening and who will listen, you want to go to Pan-Africanism or Parish and check out Taj's last show, How to check for agents, infiltrators, and provocateurs within your organization. He lays out some great, great stuff that, it, again, in the organizations 
the sovereignty-seeking organizations of the future, we got to do stuff differently. And one thing that most of them did not have, that if we talk about we learn from the past, that they have to have, they have to have an apparatus for, um, again, trying to scope out and preemptively find the infiltrators within the group, agents and provocateurs, and how to deal with them. But again, they also should have um, be wrapped around the family dynamic, and they have to, and they should be wrapped around more closely knit groups. We have to create different types of organizations, y'all, because obviously the types that we created before haven't worked that well because um, they got infiltrated, ran up in, and a whole bunch of mess was created based on that. I'm going to keep doing it. The only group, the only groups that got 100% complete sovereignty from the Caucasoid system were the maroon groups. The groups that we know the least about got the most sovereignty out of Caucasoid reality. The groups that we know the most about and got all mad love and respect for did not get it as much as the maroon groups got it. The beginnings of the nation had the right idea creating a separate nation outside of American reality, Caucasoid reality. Um, of course, though, we know it was wrapped in the fallacious Arab culture, but as Amos Wilson says in Blueprint for Black Power, there were a lot of lessons that we can glean from the old, hear me now, the old <laughs> NOI, and, and take those lessons and those positives and move forward for creating sovereignty-seeking African organizations of the future. So family is the first and foremost expression of Odomakaman in the human realm. Family is the first shrine. Number three, family and children are the true measures of wealth. As I said earlier, and I think that's even an African proverb, the individual becomes immortal through the birth of children because they've got your DNA, they've got your chromosomal, excuse me, your chromosomes, and ideally they will have your thinking and your They will have your thinking and they will have your some of your passions. They're not a clone of you. <laughs> so, so you know, they won't do everything exactly the way you want them to. But family and children are the true measures of wealth. Number four, personal development is achieved only in the context of family and the actualization of family mission. Again, personal development and within the context of family, again, being single as I am, you know, you get to do your own thing. And, and again, not to say that families are perfect, but where I want to go with this is you always have, 
if if you're in a relationship or if you're married with children, you always have someone around you most of the time to check the behavior. <laughs> um, it's a bit harder to do some of those things that you had might like to do that you shouldn't have done within the context of a family versus if you're single. And another thing that I've heard is that children are great sponges, for better or for worse. <laughs> So if you say real, real good stuff, they'll soak that up and repeat it. If you say an off the wall and crazy and bad stuff, guess what? They'll soak that up and repeat it too. And so it, it, the way I'm interpreting this, and I know it gets deeper, but the way I'm interpreting it, personal development is achieved only in the context of family and actualization of the family mission. You get to check and look at your own personal development a little bit better, unfortunately, than someone like me who's single, <laughs> if you're in the context of family, because you always have that constant checker, especially if both of y'all, and that's the actualization of the family mission. Ideally, if you say that you want to do this African reality, you get with a sister who wants to do that as well, and then you create, you write down what your family mission is. It's, in Shui, it's called Abusawa Shabia. Abusawa Shabia, a family mission. And within that mission statement, you write down all of the things that you would like to do and see done as a family and move forward. And it's not a static document. It always changes and you always update it. But you have this mission statement as a barometer of how well you're doing as a family and fulfilling that mission and how off you are as a family and fulfilling that mission. And so personal development, again, with what they're saying, and I, I, I sort of agree with it, can be better honed and be better um, tweaked and be better worked on within the context of family and as moving forward to fulfilling the family mission. Five, family is the answer to most questions regarding the issues of survival and development. Number six, family is the chief strategy and the most effective weapon of war. <clears throat> Again, if you if you want to know if a particular theory has merit to it, try it out in your family first. And if it's and if it has workability within the family, then if you're part of a, a, a larger organization, then then that's where you can share that theory with that larger organization. And then you even have, if you will, empirical evidence to show that okay, I've been doing this for X amount of years. You've been hanging around my children. You see how they act, you see how they are, you see what they know. This particular theory, we applied it in the 
in the family. This is how they got that way. So let's apply some of the tenets to the organization and see if we can have the same amount of success. But it started with trying it in the family first. Family is to answer the most questions regarding the issues of survival and development. If you want to create a susu within an organization, create one in your family first to help, you know, wean yourselves off of the European jobs that you probably have. You create a dynamic where you have funds outside of that those European jobs to get it up to a point to where maybe one or both of y'all can then leave that European job and fully dedicate your time to said organization or other endeavors that you want to do. Family is the answer to most questions regarding the issue of survival and development. The number one thing, and it took me a while to get this, but again, when I got it, it made crystal crystal clear sense to me. The number one thing that Caucasoids destroyed first, or the first thing that Caucasoids destroyed, was the family. First, by by killing <laughs> and enslaving most of the men. And then being able to just walk into the village where the men weren't present and having their pick of the women that was there which then increased the um, bastardization of that particular um, family line and lineage or those particular family lines and lineages. Um, The cultural values that they put in place in said village most of the time went counter to the values and the family dynamics of those village areas. And and a book that I know talks about that at length is a magnificent book. Um, it's out of print now, so you might be able to find it at a Libris or ABE books, something like that. It's Reinventing Africa by Ifi Amadeume. And she really walks through how <clears throat> Christianity props specifically and European value, Caucasoid value systems more generally help just eat away at the fabric of the society. And how it decimated um, family structures and family cohesiveness. So family is the chief strategy and the most effective weapon of war. On the positive for us, but on the negative for them, if you break up family, if you confuse family, if you dilute family. If you now they redefining what family is, that is a chief strategy and a very effective weapon of war for Caucasoids against us. So we have to look at and re counter, counter, counter their fight on family, on African family that they're doing on us. So that we can get back in lock and stock with Inyame and Sheshe, with Inyame's order, 
with these tenets that we just laid out. First and foremost, expression of Odumakuma. Family is the first shrine. Family and children are the true measures of wealth. Personal development can only be achieved properly within family. Family is the answer to the most questions regarding survival and development. Family is a chief strategy and most effective weapon, and the most effective weapon of war. They destroyed family, confused family, and we see that confusion and destruction still going on today because we have not addressed and redefined family in our African context. So we will pick up with number seven after, because we got two minutes left, after we come back. So for folks that want to continue, 760-454-1111. We will play our closing music, and then we will come back and continue. Um, <clears throat> I better speak a little bit faster because it's 21 points <laughs> under family, and we're on number seven right now, so I got another hour to go. But, um, this will be in the archives if you're not going to call in, 760-554-1111. The um, caucasoid lady in my ear just told me we got 90 seconds left. So we will continue after this break. And um, so we went through D and E, so part three, probably next week. I don't think I got nothing going on next Sunday. We'll be part three of this, and we'll get into Saban Trinay. Righteous character. Standards for being African. Righteous character. So you will definitely want to be a part of that because there's a lot of unrighteous stuff <laughs> going on in our communities and a lot of it under the guise of being African. We're going to lay out 24 points that will really look at that and call a lot of that crazy stuff into question. So we will continue with family after this. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation, Yebedi Inkonim. We will be victorious. See you in about 30 seconds. system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. <clears throat> All right, we're back. Africa's reascension. This is Kamal McCasey Tahuti. Something I learned from the last show, because I've been doing this over Skype recently until I get a headset for my phone. Since we're in the overtime, if Skype drops, everything will drop, and I won't be able to call back in. So I may do what I did last time, and we'll have a continuation of this at like 1 or 2 in the morning, because I want to get all of it in right now. 
episode at part three, we can start with Saban Trinay, Righteous Character. So so hopefully it don't drop. It's been good, and we can get through it. But I just want to give everyone a heads up now that that might happen. And so, you know, for the West Coast folks, y'all can probably hang with that. For the East Coast folks, y'all may be cussing at me. But if it drops, I may go ahead and schedule a show like at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. so I can just get it, everything out, a continuation show. But let's keep going, knocking on wood, that it stays. Excuse me. Number seven. And again, we're reading from the document that's linked right on the show page, Inyame and Sheshe, from the book, Inyame's Order. Inyame is one of our African words for the creator. And all of this is from the book, The Sankofa Movement, Re-Africanization, and the Reality of War, by Kwame Ajay and Akwia Enson Akoto. Um, it is available online, I think at Amazon, but if you don't want to go through them, hit me up with an email. They're here in D.C. I can um, probably get a book from them and then ship it out to you. We'll work the cost out on shipping and all that sort of stuff. Um, I can be reached at Kamau301, K-A-M-A-U-301 at yahoo.com. So number seven, personal and family mission are functions of the pursuit of resolution of family challenges and balance and the maintenance of family continuity and development. Personal and family missions are functions of the pursuit of resolution of family challenges and balance and the maintenance of family continuity and development. Now, as we said with point three in dealing with um, family mission and mission statement, the personal mission statement in Shui is called the Ni Shabia, N-E-H-Y-E-B-E-A, Ni Shabia, or, or personal or individual mission. And then Obusawa Shabia is family or clan mission. Each of those, again, are functions of the pursuit of resolution of family challenges and balance. So, again, if it is written down, and I remember getting into a discussion with a sister about, why well, we got to write it down? If we just have it and understand it, then we'll need to write it down. But I understand the importance of writing it down because you concretize it. You get to go back to it um, again and again. And and it's harder to twist words because you're both reading it, reading the same document, looking at the same thing. And, again, like I say, you are supposed to tweak it and update it and, and add to it and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's a fluid document. But by it being a document, both parties see where both parties are coming from. And and it's a lot clearer and while stuff is still, you know, amenable to interpretation, it's more concretized and 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 it's less nebulous. If if well, I thought that's what you meant, and I ain't write it down, but it's in my head. No, we we have a document where we can both come back, and then again, it's better able to assess 
where the strengths were and where the weaknesses were. And so that's, again, within within the book, um, Sankofa Movement book, they, they, they talk about and really <clears throat> focus on the personal mission statement. And they have a whole chapter looking at putting together the personal mission statement and the family mission statement and some ideas on what should be included in there. And its it, its function is you want to resolve challenges within the family and keep balance. You want to maintain family continuity and development. And so you have the personal document of goals that you want to achieve as both of y'all within the family, but then you have certain things as a family that you want to put together and move forward with as well. Family rituals, um, maybe a family creed, a family um, meditation, all that sort of stuff. You put it down as a group and and create it, and, and you keep going back to it. And and that's its function. It's not supposed to function as a rigid document to keep everybody in check. It's supposed to maintain balance, keep continuity, help resolve family challenges, and forward development. Number eight, every family must seek to reestablish its family shrines and the linkage between itself and its clan ancestors and guiding Bosum. Bosum is 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 a Chui word um, <clears throat> for for the deities, for African spirit forces. Just as in Yoruba, within the system of Ifa, you have a um, Orisha that guides your head. Within the system of Khan, on the day you were born, you're given a day name. And there is an entity, there is a deity, there is an African spirit force that governs each day of the week. And so, depending upon the day of the week that you were born, then determines the guiding bosom for you as an individual. And so each family, as laid out here, E.8, each family must seek to reestablish its family shrines. So you create, again, the ancestral encomre or, or, or shrine, for lack of a better term. Well, I gave you the other term, but shrine is... One <laughs> bad transliteration of encumbery, but you set one up so you can reestablish the links with your own family lineage and ancestral encumbery, but then you also need to recreate and get together to reconnect. There we go. No, I want to say it that way. Reacknowledge. The linkage, because it was never completely severed. I don't want to. I'm not buying into never have, never will that we were completely 100% cut off from our African understanding of reality and origins and culture and all that sort of stuff. We weren't 100% cut off. The acknowledgement 
and the 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 conscious and deliberate linkage to it was covered and was obfuscated to use a big college term but Europeans can never fully make that break within us so we must re-acknowledge the linkage between ourselves the clan ancestors and the guiding bassoons and that's usually done um, by creating encomres or forimukas um, or for the English term a, a shrine or an altar um, to those ancestors in your lineage um, and then the guiding bosum or the guiding deities of your family lineage and of you as an individual each family got to do that and you'll have it's possible you'll even have a family bosum or family um Egun or Arisha as well to help guide the family. But I don't want to get too deep into African philosophical concepts here. Um, yeah. So number nine. A primary function of family is the facilitations of its children discovery of their personal mission within the context of the family mission. And the development of the children's spiritual, physical, and intellectual abilities for the actualization of that mission. See, I guess I can't get away from some <laughs> African philosophical talk. So, again, we can understand this from our base and from our vantage point. From, <clears throat> from the Akan from the Yoruba, from the Gile Maseba, from the Zulu and the Shona, from the Igbo, and, and, and I'm sure from others, but I just want to speak on the ones that I know about, know something about. They say that before you came down in physical form, when, when your essence was being put together as a spirit, you got to have some say in what you wanted your mission to be when you came down in the physical form. It's sort of like you're negotiating, <laughs> for lack of a better term, with um, the creative force of the universe. Now, you have and in Yame given mission that you're supposed to fulfill. But you also had the possibility of a mission that you yourself want to fulfill coming down to the human, the physical realm. So then when you come in the in, in, in the physical vessel, because remember we are spirits having a physical experience. When you come in the physical form, you then get less clear because you're not in the spirit world anymore. You get less clear on those missions that were laid out. So if the family is properly in tune with their African understandings, they create the environment 
to help you re-understand and reawaken what those missions were. The personal mission that you asked for and the Inyame or creator-given mission that you were given before you came in physical form. And so then we, as the parents, would then set up the community, set up the family, set up the, you know, the physical environment that you, that you, the child, live in to best bring out those abilities and, and, and those thought forms and those all those things to help develop you, to help you complete those missions that you asked for and that you were given. And hopefully fit those within the context of what that larger family mission was supposed to be. Now, I hope you get in the aspect of the depth <laughs> of, of, of just how deep African culture really is once you get into it. And again, none of these other systems, these foreign systems, <laughs> religious systems have this type of depth, have this type of understanding in it. And that's why I will go to my last breath saying that we have to get out of these systems because they they stunt our spiritual growth. They stunt our African culture growth. Because all of this that I just mentioned, you create a mission and the creator give you a mission before you even born and you're a spirit having a human experience and all that doesn't even exist in Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hebrew Israelite, Moors and all the other crap. So when you take all that on, you are blocking yourself off from understanding all that I just got finished saying. But more important than that, you're blocking off your fulfillment of those mission statements that you yourself asked for and that the creator gave you to fulfill before you came here. So that's why here, that's another reason why here at Africa's Reascension, I'm always riding these foreign religious systems because by digging into the depth of African spirituality, I see all the damage and potential damage that it's doing to us and the things that it's keeping us from and the things that, it, that, that, that we can't even fathom to be able to grasp because we latch on to those things. And this is one of them. The primary function of family is the facilitation of his children's discovery of their personal mission within the context of the family mission and the development of the children's spiritual, physical, and intellectual abilities for the actualization of that mission. Within the Akan system, you don't name your child until the eighth day. From birth until that eighth day, you're doing rituals, and you're to attempt to attempt to ascertain what that child's what uh, one, if not multiple, mission of that child is, and then you give them or you're given a name. To give to the child To help remind them Of that mission So then every time Their name is uttered 
they are reminded what they're supposed to do in life. I hope you are getting the depth. I hope I'm being clear and getting the depth of of how bad we are as a people and and what we're taking away from and why we're being taken away from it. So we can't get back to how bad and how deep we are. So, 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 so yeah, I won't go there, but so family, the mama and the and the daddy, just on that level, but then on the level of even the wider family, you know, other uncles and nieces and nephews and other, you know, folks that you've made members of the family. All of y'all are conspiring, if you will, to set up the family living space, to set up the community spaces, all of that to help bring out those spiritual, physical, and intellectual abilities of that newborn in that family and in that community so that they can fulfill their mission. And ideally, in fulfilling their mission, it will add a different dimension or a different aspect into that larger family mission. And that's a primary function of family. Next Next one, page 19, 10. Family is the basis of national existence and continuity. As I said before, through children we become immortal. And I know on one level that sounds like an arrogant statement, but on another level it's, it's a true statement, it's an African statement, and it's the basis of national existence and continuity. If family ceases to exist, especially man-woman-based family, guess what? The nation dies. That's why it's so key and critical not to let these caucasoids redefine family. No, let me say it this way. It's key and critical that we Africans do not buy into Caucasoid's redefinition of family. Their version of family is anti-family and anti-life. And their total existence has shown that and continues to show it. Homosexual relations are the experiencing of sensations and 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 of 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 the experiencing of physical sensations and personal pleasures only they have nothing to do with national existence and continuity because if all african men together with all african men and all African women get together with all African women only exclusively, guess what? The African nation dies. Why? Because there will not be the continued birthing of the future generations of that nation. Some folks have even went as far to say as 
The homosexual agenda has been deliberately pushed within the African community as another way to make sure we don't <coughs> continue to repopulate ourselves and we kill ourselves off by getting into that type of behavior. Family is the medicine of the insomnful nanonome. Insomnful nanonome, again, is a tree term for the most respected, the exalted ancestors. Family is the medicine of the most exalted ancestors in the sense that family On, on us on the physical, we have an obligation to the ancestors to do rituals to them to um, get their insight to to keep them alive within the physical family to keep their existence alive. You know, they're not their physical; <laughs> they're gone already. But to keep the memory and the thought and their entity, their energic presence alive within the family. And in another African proverb or an African philosophical thought is, a person only dies when their name is forgotten. A person only truly dies when their name is forgotten. That's, that's again, within um, African wisdom. And so family being the medicine of the most exalted ancestors, I interpret that to be we... <clears throat> We keep them alive by not only remembering them, but now, again, this isn't just the insomnful. This isn't just the regular ancestors. When you add on nanonome, those are the exalted. Those are the righteous. Those are the, the ones that you want to pattern your own life by. The totality or the larger part of their existence, when they were on the physical realm, ex exuded righteous character and righteous conduct. So when they became an insomnful, an ancestor, and they went through the process of becoming an ancestor, because remember, if you haven't went to it, go to... Um, I, I'm pretty sure I saved them on my page on, on YouTube. But Brother Fukial did like a nine-part lecture on the um, ancestorization of people, how the process of you become an ancestor. Because, again, just because you die, just because you transition, you don't automatically become an ancestor. And you definitely don't automatically become uh, 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 no. So if you have with, um, uh, Within your lineage You have I'm sure You may not know about it Or, or hopefully you do <laughs> Some of those exalted ancestors So family becomes the medicine Of those exalted ancestors Because we we keep their name alive We're constantly feeding them By doing the rituals um, at our at our at our altars, and ideally we're walking in their footsteps um, within our own personal lives, so that they can um, be 
refreshed. They can look upon us and smile, and they can help us further along what we're trying to do from the spirit realm. Again, a lot of this talk I've been doing tonight is steeped in African philosophical and cosmological wisdom and understanding. And so if you're coming from another um if you're coming from another cultural base, some of it may sound trippy and may sound hard for you to understand. And if you're not outright rejecting it, if it sort of sounds interesting or if you want, you know, more of this, continue to listen to the show <laughs> because that's what we're about. Um, if And again, if it just sounds too out there, if you will, um, maybe it is for you. Because if if you've been following the show, you know we're not all ethereal and spacey. Here at Africa's Rear Ascension, we are very, very practical as well. And we're very steeped in, in being practical from an African sense. And that's going to be a bit different than practical from a European sense. And so I hope I ain't losing too many folks, and I hope I don't lose too many folks with this. But to 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 get some of these points, I have to dig into and share some of the um african philosophical and um at, on on all the deep level structures wisdom so the knowledge piece the reality piece the values piece and the um cosmological piece it's got to be understood. Some of what I'm saying has to be understood from that level. Again, Africa on her own terms. It won't make sense coming from some of these other religious systems that we deal with. Number 12, each member of the family must study and know the history of the family and clan, including its strengths, its weaknesses, its mission, its principal members, its physical and cultural origins, and its guiding Bosum and Insamanfo. That one should go without saying. I probably don't need to add nothing to that. Um, each member of the family must study and know the history of the family and clan. Who are you? Who have you come from? Who in your lineage was the sellout? Who in your lineage was the sovereignty seeker? Who in your lineage is speaking to you when you pour libations to them? Who is it that you would like to speak to you to give you more strength to move on to continue to be a sovereignty seeking African in a non-African space? Um, you got to study and know your your family strengths, your family challenges. Um, if you got a history of high blood pressure, what what do you and all of your all of your lineage members have been dying at sixty? What can you do based on knowledge of your family line to um, suppress that high blood pressure and extend the life 
your, your the, the the lineage is life within your your time being here and your extension of that group. Its mission and its principal members, um, its physical and cultural origins. Um, let's say you come from a lineage of um, sovereignty seekers who were given the mission to bring one of the principal shrines over here in America. So that particular group was in Georgia. And so they got some land and they buried those shrines in Georgia. You might be the first person from enslavement time to now to hear that particular ancestor. And that ancestor will then tell you that I'm part of the reason why you are a conscious sovereignty seeking African now, because I was doing it on the continent. I was the one that was trying to fight to keep them out of our village. When we saw that we couldn't fully stop them and we were going to be overran, we had to make sure that this shrine made the journey so that you could continue the mission. And so we brought it here and we buried it here in Georgia. So so now you then have to go up to Georgia, find out where they they buried it, and then dig it up and revive it. But you would know none of that if you didn't know and study the history of the family and clan and its physical and cultural origins. And it's guiding Bosun and Samanfu. Bosun, again, deity, African spirit force, and then Samanfu, ancestor. All of that, that whole scenario I just laid out, you wouldn't have gotten if you didn't study your family history and its physical and cultural origins. And I just want to add real quick, it doesn't just stop here in America. So many folks, you know, will will attempt to not claim Africa because the, the, the studying of the lineage they did only went as far back as Georgia, only went as far back as Mississippi. We didn't just sprout up in Georgia and Mississippi as weeds. The majority of us was brought here, a small, small amount of us came over just how we said in the beginning of the show. A small grouping of us voluntarily left the place that we now call Africa and migrated voluntarily and populated in all the places of the planet. So yeah, there was a small group of us who left Africa and I hope folks that's in the chat room are hearing that, that left Africa and populated and came to America. But the majority of us was brought over here. <laughs> and um, if you trace it far back, either way, if you trace it far back enough, it'll take you back to the continent. 
whether you do the blood DNA lineage work or if you do the spirit ritual quiet time work, it'll take you back to the place that we now call Africa. So, folks, don't get off the hook with just saying, oh, well, I did the did, I traced my lineage and it just goes back as far as Mississippi. You got more work to do because you didn't just sprout up in Mississippi. 13, all members of the family must find and identify themselves within the family constellation. They must establish and maintain close and substantive linkages with the family. <clears throat> that one ties in with number 12 and pretty much goes without saying. 14, the family must commit themselves to the resolution or closure of clan challenges that manifest in their personal characters. If there's been, we got, everybody's got family secrets. At some point in the lineage, hopefully you'd be the one, but at some point, some of that needs to come out and get some closure to it, get some resolution to it. And especially with all the crap that we've been in with the Ma'afi experience, we got a whole bunch of skeletons in the closet. But the skeletons will continue to grow dust, gather dust, or the skeletons will continue to mount until someone within the lineage um, has the courage to deal with those family skeletons in the closet. And depending on what it is, if you don't deal with it, <coughs> some of that, unfortunately, will trickle to your future generations. And I ain't even going to get too personal, but I can say some of that's happened with me. <laughs> and um, it's a mother, so commit yourselves to the resolution or closure of clan challenges that manifest in personal character. Fifteen, each family member must contribute to the actualization of the family or clan mission. So if you all have created the family mission statement, which includes different rituals to do at different times, each member of the family should be contributing with that. So if you have a, a family ritual, you got a baby there, bring them in to the family ritual. They may not understand what's going on, but they see and experience what's going on. And with with neuroscience now that's, that's out, they they have shown that with every new thing that you learn, a new brain synapse is formed. With every new thing that you learn, a physical change is happening in the brain. A synapses, a brain line is being created with the new thing that you learn. So by bringing your children around African events and these um, African rituals within the family, you even they don't got to understand what's going on. But you are creating, if you will, uh, uh, <laughs> this is my phrase, African neuro pathways in the child. And they can only be strengthened by 
the family clarity and by bringing them around more and then explaining it and stuff like that. But each family member must contribute to the actualization of that family mission statement. Each family member, next one, each family member must act to facilitate cohesiveness, clarity, effective and spiritual bonding within the family. 17, within each family, the spouses must provide moral and material support for the full development of the other spouse. So, again, I mean, just going through these, and again, I'm still talking from a single man, not wanting to be single, but a single man perspective. And it's just like, you know, some of these things just seem like logic and and it just you would you would want a family you would want your spouse or other family members to share cohesiveness and clarity and you have spiritual bondings with each other um moral and material support but it number 18 each family member must work to provide for the physical and financial security of the family so 17 18 and 19 all excuse me, 16, 17, and 18, all, you know, sort of work one hand in hand with each other. And I think about how much of those things are not happening in our families today. All of the physical insecurity, financial insecurity, Moral unsupport, material unsupport, lack of cohesiveness, non-clarity, no spiritual bonding within the family, and then tying that in with our families being in disarray. And then tying that back into family is a primary, most effective weapon of war, tying that into that was the first thing that Caucasoids sought to bust up when they invaded that first time was the family. And only in small pockets, those pockets are growing, but they're still small pockets. Only in small pockets have we looked at readdressing that family disruption and doing all in our power to shore the family piece up. Small pockets, growing pockets, but still small pockets are are, are, are working on that. And um, again, I don't know how far we're going to go if we're not in families moving forward doing this if both spouses don't have shared missions moving forward with this I I don't know you know how far we'll be able to go if the, the, the moral and material support the physical financial security if all that stuff isn't there within the family I'm, I, I don't I mean we see where it's getting us we see where the lack of those things are getting us. So, again, to me, it just seems logical and natural that 
We want to do the opposite of what's going on right now because what's going on right now obviously is not working. <clears throat> 18 minutes, I think I can get through these last ones. 19, the family must see itself as a perpetual entity with a central mission. Again, that one goes back to um, being immortal <laughs> or the immortality of, of having children. If, if if the parents do their job right, they pass the mission on to the children. The children will then create their own families and being wedded to the family, being wedded to their mother and father, once they become ancestors, then those children will be doing the rituals to their their departed mother and father, who will then keep adding energy to help the children further the mission. <clears throat> so then when those children pass, if they had children and did their job, then those children will then do the rituals to their mother and father and to their grandmother and grandfather. And then the grandmother, grandfather, mother, and father will then all be giving their energy to those children to continue their mission. And then what you see what I'm saying? You see that cycle? And that continues for perpetuity. The family must see itself as a perpetual entity with a central mission. Perpetual entity. So, yes, the, 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 the family within the mission statement will have certain things that they would like to do, certain things that they would want to be resolved within their particular lifetime for themselves as a family. But now, again, tying in with studying and knowing the, the family and clan and strengths and weaknesses and challenges and all that sort of stuff, it may take some generations to get certain things wetted out, weeded out of that family line. And so you prepare the children to then take up that mantle to move another step closer when you're gone. And all the things within your particular family mission won't be able to be completed while y'all were there in, in, in the human form. So you instill within the children to carry that mantle and continue it and move it a bit more closer to completion. And then they give that message to their children. So when they're gone, they can move closer to completion. And, and, and the cycle continues and the cycle continues. That's what that one means. The family must see itself as a perpetual entity. And then a central mission, that central mission probably being the mission that won't be completed within that specific lifetime. So if you see yourself as perpetual, as always going to be around, then... Of course, you work as hard as you can to get to point X while you're here. But you strengthen, you inculcate certain things within the children so they can continue it. And then they'll call on you in the spirit world to help them further it. Then when they have children and they become ancestors... Then you've got more people to help those new group of children move the mission forward, move the mission forward perpetually. 
20. Each family clan member must provide moral and material support for his or her own children and other children within the family. Again, that one goes without saying. And when it doesn't happen, we see the moral and material decay within families and lineages. Um, so that one is self-explanatory. And then the last one in this grouping. It is the responsibility of the family elders to establish specific developmental goals for the family and its members with appropriate consultation with the entire clan membership. They, the elders, family elders, should provide the family with a clear description of the process and structure that is necessary for the accomplishment of the family mission. Now, again, I guess I've been um, a little amiss, and I've just been dealing with um, the concept of the nuclear family. So my bad. <laughs> and, 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 and mother, father, child. But in the context of, I mean, I mentioned it like once, but I don't think I've properly emphasized it. In the context of family, you've got the aunties, the uncles, nephews, the extended family members that y'all brought in, um, as well as mama and daddy, and then the children. And you're going to have different age ranges within that large grouping, and within that large grouping, the, 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 the elders the elders of righteous character. We got to make sure to make a distinction between olders and elders. Olders are people who are just older than you. They do deserve respect. They should be um, listened to, or at least given the I don't want to. You 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 do still give them deference and respect because they have been around longer than you. Um, they arguably may know more than you in a given situation, and so just on their longevity, they do deserve respect. As an older, <clears throat> you may or may not listen to them all the time. You know all that sort of stuff. Because to get the elder status, again, deals with righteous living a majority of their life. Um, deals with someone whose um, aspects of their personality and character you personally want to reduplicate and exemplify, and you would like the larger aspects of those things to be reduplicated within your family. That's an elder. And then there's other, there's, you know, um, there's been different criteria put together for what an elder is, but we, we, we got to make a distinction. I forget who I heard it from, that older and elder, but I'm going to use it. So <clears throat> it's not originally mine, but I'm going to use it because it's beautiful. You've got olders and you've got elders. Both groups you respect and you give deference to. 
but as far as folks that you really want to listen to, the folks you really want to pattern your life after, the folks you really want to infuse things that they did in their life within your family, you do that with elders. And within this last point, it is the responsibility of those elders to establish specific developmental goals for the family and its members. And then it still should have appropriate consultation with the entire clan membership. So, again, ideally the family is working, the, the, the larger family dynamic is are all working from the same page, and they're all moving forward for the betterment and development of of the, 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 the younger folks and the children, and you trust and respect and want to listen to, and you give that, that, that deeper deference to the elders, and so they lay out some specific things. By the time you hit this, you should be here. By the time you hit this age, you should be here. By the time you, at five, ten years of marriage, y'all should do this. Then you get together with the, the, the wider family and see if it's um, fair, if it makes sense, all that sort of stuff. And then you as a family move forward. And then those elders should provide the family with clear description of the process and structure that's necessary for the accomplishment of that family mission. <clears throat> so if you all need to travel to Africa to get X, Y, and Z, <clears throat> And, and it's a major part of the mission because you got that reading at a shrine or something, then, you know, it's the elder that would help walk through, um, you know, the, the, the process of doing that, how they'll restructure the family when you're gone, you know, to help continue the process until you get back from Africa to get what you need to get. You know, that's just one example, but... The, 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 the elders are there to provide the wisdom and the guidance because they've been around. They ideally did what you are doing. Um, they lived a certain type of life that you want to exemplify and that you want to carry on. So they're given that example. And we don't throw away our elders. We keep them as close by as we can. And especially when we have children, because the children just came from the spirit world, and the elders are the closest to going back to the spirit world. So there's a lot of wisdom that can be exchanged from elder to, to new or newly born child. And so that's another reason why we kept the elders in the societies. And we always, you know, had them around the children. Because both groups have a special ear to the spirit world. One, freshly coming from it. The other, soon to be going to it. And, and, and that exchange can be vital for that family and that grouping, you know, that's there, that's in that middle age group from, <laughs> you know, that's not new or newly born and not an elder. All those 
age groups in between can serve from the wisdom that's exchanged from that new or newly born child that's just coming from the spirit world and that elder who who is closer to going to the spirit world. There's a wealth of wisdom there that 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 we have constantly been getting before the family was disrupted by cogazoids and that we must tap into to get again if we're going to not only get the cogazoid neck off our back but to keep anybody else's foot <laughs> off our back and to sustain longevity like we did before. Within Africa's reascension, we always talk about creating societies of the future that will make Kemet look like regular cultures. Right now, they're the height of, you know, African history for us. I want us to create cultures to make Kemet look small. I want us to create cultures that go far and beyond what Kemet did. And we can do it. Since we created a Kemet and and three, four thousand years of 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 you know relative peace within that time, um grand civilizations, um again, internal peace. That's that it Large pockets of internal peace. Of course, all that time was not peaceful, so I ain't going there, but large pockets of internal peace. All of the um, material grandeur, all of the intellectual grandeur in the sense that all of the world would come to us to be learned. We created that. It's in our... It's 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 in our African genetic rope to use Fukiao's pieces in our DNA. And 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 I played a clip some time ago on from Amos who breaks down they won't let me do it now because I only got three minutes left, but he breaks down that the DNA isn't just packets that determine physical differentiation. It's there are also evolutionary packets of history and experience. So while we have the totality of history within our genes, we also have the racial or, 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 or the, the cultural DNA specifically of us from the beginning of time, from the beginning of human time and the beginning of African humanity in us right now. So that encyclopedia of wisdom that Kemet had, we have in us right now. And so, again, each cycle is different. We learned that one today. So we don't just want to recreate Kemet. I think we need to recreate and do better than Kemet. That's the grand vision. But the first steps understanding that we're African, understanding what African means, reconnecting to our traditional and ancient culture in the deep, in all the levels, but in, especially in the deep structure sense, 
retransform who we are back into the the best that Africa has to offer. Hooking up with other folks who are doing the same thing. You know, lightly creating, if you will, other folks that are doing it, that, that, that want to do it, aiding them, and then building out from there. Individual, family, community, nation, then it gets international, then it gets global. But it all starts with that culture piece, knowing who we are and going with that in the deep sense and then moving forward. So we got a minute left before they cut us off for whatever. I'd like to thank again everyone that listened, everyone that down, that will download. Um, please share this with other folks. Um, send them to the site or put it on a CD or put it on your flash drive and share it with folks. We got to get down this what is African peace um, so that we can move forward, so that we can start doing it within our own selves and then going forward. So next week, Saban Trené, righteous character, what that means, what it means to have righteous African character. Thanks for listening. Abibi Fahodier, Total African Liberation, Yabedi Inconim, we will be victorious. of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. <laughs>